All right, joining us now from somewhere near Heartland is our good friend Al. Hey, Al, are you flooded out down there in in Heartland? Yeah, it's uh, getting a little uh, wet, but, you know, there's a lot of places have a lot worse, so I I can't complain too much, and I hope it is still uh, gentle in its melt so that we don't get too much. Got a little bit of water in the basement, but, Uh boy, if that's all the worse it gets, that's... Uh, I'm pretty happy, and and we live on a kind of a hill like most farm places do, but yet we still get a little seepage in when we have so much snow. There's just no place for it to go, I guess, so uh, we put tile and we mound stuff up and do everything you're supposed to do, but you know, as you go through life, sometimes you do everything you're supposed to do, and it still doesn't work. It's just the way things are. But, uh, man, I'm having a great day. American tree sparrows all over in my yard. I love seeing those. I think they're just one of the most beautiful of birds. They're poorly named because they typically nest on the ground, but yet they're still called tree sparrows. And this morning I got up early and read a bunch of a book called Storm Lake by Art Cullen. And, uh, man, I highly recommend it for anybody and everybody. Uh, it says a chronicle of change, resilience, and hope from a Heartland newspaper. And it's just a, a great book, and it, it helps. I know a couple of people that are mentioned in there, and it, uh, it's from Algona, Iowa, in that area. So it's uh, my, my book report for the day. Is it Probably about Storm Lake, you know, Iowa? That's what I thought of when you mentioned the title. It is indeed. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So it, yeah, and uh, he's just a he's a Pulitzer Prize winner from a newspaper in Storm Lake, Iowa. Which you just uh, I, I like Storm Lake, but you don't think of Pulitzer Prize necessarily with a Storm Lake newspaper. It's uh, a paper that comes out twice a week, and they just do a wonderful job down there. So, in great book, and I haven't finished it yet, but it's it's a great book. You know, February was particularly generous with its snow. <laughs> and I checked with the DNR. It seemed like when I was a kid, it was March. We said, man, March is when we get all the snow. Well, our snowiest month, according to the DNR, is January. And then oh. December, March, November, February, and April. So February finishes second to last. It only beats April. Nobody's supposed to get uh, out of school for snow days in February. It's just not proper. See, I so always thought year, uh, I th- always heard that it was March, but apparently I was wrong then. So you're saying that January is the snowiest generally? It is. Okay. It is. And at one at one time Feb- uh, March was, uh, but now really? January and December 2nd. So oh. we seem to get most of our winter Typical years, we get it in January and December. Those are the two months to get by, and then it eases up. So March has been moved down to third now hmm. in the uh, in the snow race. But I was outside this morning, and I heard the cardinal, male cardinal, singing, what cheer, 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 birdie, 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 birdie. And a black-capped chickadee is doing that <whistles> springs here. Uh, white-breasted nuthatches are doing that, too. I do a poor white-breasted nuthatch, but it's a wah-wah-wah. And uh, drumming woodpeckers are providing this percussive accompaniment. These are all spring songs. And I heard a house sparrow cheep. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, they should cheep. They're cheap birds. <laughs> but in India, 
the Nature Forever Society has tried to rally conservation interests by declaring March 20th World Sparrow Day and naming it the State Bird of Delhi. And the society's president said the house sparrow is one bird which is seen by everyone, by kids, by adults, by people from various socioeconomic strata. It's a bird of the common man. The house sparrow is the default little brown bird that we see here in parking lots and yards, on street corners and sidewalks and on farms. They're, uh, house sparrows are cute. Take a, take a good look at them. Uh, raccoons have raided my feeders oh, on a pretty much a nightly basis. And I know, folks, we have some listeners from up north who are saying, yeah, you ought to have a bear come and raid your feeders. <laughs> well, we, all I have are raccoons, so that's what I have to complain about. And the deep snow has given the rascals the height needed to get to feeders. And one of them stole a suet feeder. I cannot locate it. It's gone, I oh. think, but I'm going to wait till the snow melts before I get another one. Uh a friend, Delbert Karstens of Clark's Grove, told me that uh, he said there's a silver lining to the nasty winter, and he said the weather has brought more cardinals than ever before to his feeders. So he thought that was a pretty neat thing. And look for snow melts uh, first at the base of trees because the dark color of trunks absorbs energy from the sun. And this heat energy is absorbed by the snow around the base, causing it to melt. And the, as you mentioned earlier, Karen, the uh, vernal equinox, March 20th. So it's just, boy, it's barely even around the corner. And when spring comes, can winter be far behind? Uh, we need a change of scenery, but we get something called, it's an in-between season that I call sprinter. <laughs> we get some spring and we get some winter and we get uh, hopeful and then hopes are dashed and we go up and down on that yo-yo. Uh, Betsy Kerr writes, I'm not a good at raptor ID and I'm really puzzled by a pair of hawks that briefly visited our neighborhood this morning. Unfortunately, I did not have my binoculars. They were bootios. And the larger one was about the size of a red tail, but absolutely no red in the tail feathers. I had a pretty clear but brief view of the underside. Sorry I can't provide all the details, but it was some pattern of black and white, but not modeled like immature bald eagles. The most remarkable feature was a very clear, fairly wide band, solid and very dark, maybe somewhat rusty, that I would call a, a collar-like at the top of the neck to the start of the breast. It was clearly bordered by white on both sides, I don't see anything in Sibley that looks like this. Any ideas? Uh, yeah, I, I wish you had a picture, Betsy. You know, I'm going to guess red-tailed hawk because that's what we do. We, if we're not sure hawks this time of year, we say, yeah, red-tailed hawk. Uh, red-tailed hawks usually molt into adult plumage, including the red tail, at the beginning of their second year, and they come in so many variables. So I'm going to say that, Betsy, and, and just keep my fingers crossed that I'm right. Hey, Al, uh, I, got a, I got a call from yeah. a listener that wants to ask or ask you a question. It is from Jan in Lake Criscoll. She says, I want to feed the robins when it, or what should you feed the robins when it's really, really cold? She says, I cut up raisins and give it to them. Apparently they love them. So what, what do you think of that, what Jan is doing? I, I don't know if it's going to be really cold again, but 
that's that's what she's wondering. It'll, you know, depending on our uh, viewpoint, if you're from Arizona, it's going to be really cold. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, yeah, raisins, Jan, are wonderful. You can uh, throw other kinds of fruits in there. I would chop them up in small bits so they're like raisin-like size, and that's a wonderful thing to do. They will eat some sunflower chips or sunflower hearts. Sunflower hearts are the hulled, so it's a seed without the shell, the sunflower, and then the chips are those that are kind of crunched and mashed up and because cracked. Didn't you say and that the robins can't, o- can't open the the, uh, the shells of the sunflower seed? Isn't that what you said at one point? Yep, they, they're they just not equipped with it, and they don't have proper training. So they just uh, they will maybe pick one up and say, boy, the other birds are eating these. I, how are they doing that? And I watch birds at the feeder sometimes, and they will watch another bird, just like, how are they doing that? What to, or maybe they're just going, ew, gross, how can they eat that? What? So, Jan, what you're doing is a wonderful thing, throwing out raisins. They do love raisins. Well, while we're on the topics of robins, my robins in my yard have been flocking to the crab apple trees because obviously there's some little crab apples left on there, and I think with the warming temperatures they get a little softer so they can eat them. And I think we've talked about this before where sometimes they can get drunk and there was probably about 40 robins in the backyard. And I noticed then one had hit the, the basement patio window. So I, the boy said, well, do you think it just flew into the window? I says, it was probably drunk and it flew into the window. And so my son Grant says, obviously you shouldn't um, drink and fly. And so I, do you Don't think drink it, and fly. Right. So do you think that they were probably getting drunk and that's why it flew and hit the window? Because it was a beautiful, you know, big robin. and But there's just... The full everywhere I could see, but that one obviously had a little problem. And he might have just uh, been frightened. Sometimes a, a hawk will get after him, and then they just try to fly off. Sometimes he it maybe just made a mistake and thought it was a fly-through window and hit it. Or as you say, he could be inebriated. I think it was last year around this time. I want to say it was from Cook, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. where they uh, had the drunken birds, and oh, it went everywhere. I think the Wall Street Journal had an article about it. It was, it just went uh, nationwide. Every news outlet had stories about these drunken birds from from Minnesota, but it, it happens a lot, and it's happened forever and happens every year. It's just one of those things that uh, happens when they start eating fermented berries. And I'm sure they like the berries because they have a, a better taste. A lot of the berries will persist on uh, fruit and berries. They'll persist on shrubs and trees because they're not very good eating in the fall. But when they come back this time of year, all of a sudden that's pretty good. They're a little hungrier and they're more forgiving about the menu. Uh, Carol Lang of Albert Lee saw red-winged blackbirds, first ones on March 14th. Uh, a nice caller, and I don't know his name, but we had a very good talk, and I forgot to ask his name, so it was my fault. He said he has a lot of squirrels, and now he has a lot of wild turkeys in his yard around his feeder. And he said the wild turkeys chase the squirrels away. So if I want a squirrel-proof feeder, I might get some wild turkeys. Uh, Bobby Forrester, suburban Hollandale, says, Hi, Al, we're in South Florida and delight in walking in the park. 
I'm feeling defeated by trying to identify this, and I'm sure you can do it. She sent me a photo. It was of ibis, a big white bird, and then there was a dark bird in front. And the bird she was asking about was the smaller dark bird in front. It was a common gallinule. And if you look it up in some of your field guides, it might say common moorhen, as that was the uh, previous name of this beautiful bird. It's sort of like a, uh, a, mud, a mud hen or a coot. It reminds you of those. A Ryan Shackleton said on March 15th he saw a lot of robins in Mason City. He said everywhere he looked, I, I'm sorry, there were, there were robins and red-winged blackbirds. Wherever he looked, there was one or the other. And he found two, two eagle nests. Uh, Donna, Dwayne, and Trevor Swenson. Uh, they are rural route Wasika folks, and they put in a pond. It's a lovely pond on their farm. So they put up a wood duck box, and they didn't much more than get the wood duck box up when a red morph eastern screech owl had taken up residence. And these little guys will nest from April 10th probably to June 1st, somewhere in there. <clears throat> Roger Bat, a, a cousin of mine, lives in Algona, Iowa, and he sent this, and he has quotation marks around my all the way through this. <laughs> he says, my eagle nest, I can watch it from my kitchen. It's about 300 yards east of her house. Neat. She was sitting on the nest yesterday, I think, laying an egg, because today she's just standing on a limb. My eagles always seem to be late in laying eggs. Did see two little gray guys last year. Love it. On March 17th, Nels Thompson saw trumpeter swans in Steele County at the Straight River Marsh. Also said he saw a kestrel in that area and counted 10 bald eagles at about the same latitude. Tim Scott sent me a thing from the New York Times. And a couple of years ago, we had painted butterflies, painted lady butterflies. They were... Everywhere, People were mistaking them for monarchs because there were so many of them. They just figured they must be monarchs. There's a, a the story in the New York Times says swarms of any other insect might provoke fears of a coming apocalypse, but clouds of butterflies migrating through Southern California are captivating onlookers who are relishing the otherworldly spectacle. The orange butterflies called painted ladies are known to travel annually from the deserts of Southern California to the Pacific Northwest. This month, people are taking notice because of the sheer size of the migration. Scientists estimate the teeming painted ladies number in the millions. Substantial rainfall in the deserts near the Mexican border, where the North American painted ladies lay their eggs, is the reason for the unusually large swarms. The rain caused plants to thrive, giving the painted lady caterpillars plenty of food to fuel their transformation. They can fly as fast as 25 miles per hour, but they tend not to veer from oncoming cars, which can prove troublesome in Los Angeles traffic. When painted ladies smash into a windshield, the result is a glob of yellow butter-like ooze. It's a result of the butterfly's stored fat used to make the long journey north. Uh, Sandy Kopeshka Fairmont sent me a photo of a big, big, big bald eagle nest. And she said there's three eagles. It's been in the news a lot about three bald eagles raising a, a planning on raising a family anyway. 
And she has three, too, and she was wondering if they had started to lay eggs. She said it looks like they are, but she can't be sure. Uh, Generally, around here, and I underline and circle generally, they begin nesting here in late February and early March, but their summer always earlier. Uh, Virginia LaFrance says, I didn't see any juncos this winter. Did they go farther south? I can't say why there aren't any in your yard, Virginia. They're numerous here. They're at my house but, too. Uh, look, I've got a I've got a bunch of them. The boys have been enjoying watching them, so maybe they're at our house. Oh, they're beautiful birds, and yeah. I told Virginia to look for some tomorrow because uh, I'll call them and ask them to stop by. <laughs> uh, Clint Myra Walters also sent a New York Times article. Uh, a lady who has started a. A new board game is called Wingspan, hmm. and uh, the players assign birds with various powers, and there's 170 illustrated cards, and she aimed to design a game with scientific integrity, so she pulled data on North American birds from eBird, which is a citizen science project managed by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. And she also made use of the lab's All About Birds website, as well as the Audubon's online guide. And in Wingspan, the assets from which the players reap points are the birds, their eggs, and their food sources. So each player assumes the role of a birder, collecting birds and deciding which to deploy on the board. So interesting game. Uh, Greg March uh, got a hold of me just, uh, just now, and he said at Geneva, on Geneva Lake, there are 100 bald eagles. And somebody named Karen Wright sent me a couple of wonderful things from a master gardener uh, listserv. And the first one was, I hope somebody can help me. I have a lot of squirrels in my yard. Who doesn't? And they're eating my cedar deck. <laughs> Apparently, they have wide-ranging palate because they've eaten the handles off my compost bin, a plastic one. And have been known to chew on irrigation lines and haven't been buried as well as plastic pots I may leave outside. They like the ones with rolled edge the best. A guy at Menards suggested I buy a 50-pound bag of shell corn and dump it on the other side of my yard. First of all, I don't think that's legal. And secondly, <laughs> I'm afraid it will pull in more squirrels. And deer. <laughs> I don't need more squirrels. Yeah, I got copper tops for the post, but I don't want to wrap the railing with barbed wire. Any ideas? I I know some people that have uh, do maple syruping, so they've got all the the things up on the trees to get the sap out, and some of those get chewed up by squirrels, too. A lot of there would be because of the sap, but squirrels need to chew, so they chew stuff. Also, they try to get into houses and things because it's a cavity. Oh. And I, if anybody has, I know they try pepper sprays. There are some commercial sprays available. I have not had any experience with any of those commercial sprays, so I can't speak with any authority on those. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Squirrels chew. And the other one you were kind enough to send me, Karen, was from a Margie Blair of Dakota County. Uh, she just learned from Ripley's Believe It or Not section of the newspaper that color of dead leaves is called file mot. Yeah, I I'd never heard that before. That, is it, fi- it, it, yeah, I never knew that there was a color to dead leaves except for brown. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it is that brown color. So it's just that brown uh, dead leaf color. And it's Filemot, F-I-L-E-M-O-T. So yeah. that would be a, a, a new word that you can all... Uh, astound and amaze your friends maybe at lunch and just bring that up saying boy i saw a car that was the color of file bot and they all give you that odd look just say you just made up a word and you could tell them no no yeah, it's, it's like true. the dead leaf color because i think gremlins at one time uh, amc <laughs> gremlins had that color uh, there's the bbrp the bluebird recovery program of minnesota their annual expo will be april 6th it's the 40th annual, and you can learn how to be successful in attracting bluebirds to your yard and trail. It'll be at a Cannon Falls High School, which oddly enough is located in Cannon Falls. Uh, the program will feature speakers presenting on how to increase the number of bluebirds you fledge. Uh, there'll be a speaker on Lyme disease, and uh, it's a concern for everybody, I guess, so I'm looking forward to uh, sitting in on that. Uh, there'll be bluebird monitoring techniques and how to make that simple. And uh, this, I did not write this, but it says, in addition, all-time favorites, Jim Gilbert of WCCO Nature Notes and Al Bat, Southern Minnesota naturalist storyteller, return with their presentations. The pre-registration is $24. That includes lunch, a scrumptious lunch before March 21st, and you can get detailed information, even hotel reservation information, at the website of uh, BBRP, Bluebird Recovery Program, .org. So I hope to see a lot of you there. Had to call it last year in April because of a, that blizzard we had in April. So they called uh, it off, so that would have been 40, so now we're... Doing the 40th one, I say we're doing it as if I have anything to do with it. But it's a, um, if you like bluebirds, if you like birds at all, and if you like people, it's just a, a wonderful place to be. So if you can make it, uh, please do that. Again, that's April 6th at uh, Cannon Falls. So uh, a lot of great stuff going on out in nature. It's uh, a lot of our ducks, uh, waterfowl are coming back. So Take a look wherever there's open water, and you're liable to see a, a good number of species of birds there. So I'm um, headed out to Geneva Lake today, hoping the 100 bald eagles will still be there to greet me. And uh, taking my camera along, see if I can actually get a halfway decent photo. Uh, I learned 100 years ago, working at a thing where snow geese came in great numbers, and I worked with a, a pretty much world-famous photographer, and he's talking to me, and he's pressing this little remote on his camera. So his <laughs> camera's taking pictures without him even looking. And I said, eh, he said, that's the secret of getting good photos. Just take a million of them and then delete all but one. So I guess maybe that's a good advice. Hey, before you go, I got another listener who sent me a text here. Uh, for you, it says, I've used Tabasco sauce, a bit diluted as a spray on bird seed and feeders. Birds don't notice it, but squirrels sure do. So there's a maybe a secret that works, the diluted Tabasco sauce. And I've heard that from people, yeah. And, um, I, and I would, you know, if there are real problems chewing things up in the yard, it probably would be a pretty cheap uh, 
method of trying something just to see if that works. Because I think squirrels are pretty smart, so I think if something bites them once, they're probably going to say, you know, I'm not going to chew on that thing anymore because it, it tastes really bad. Well, don't uh, they're, uh, do birds not have taste buds then like squirrels then? Why it doesn't seem to bother them? Yeah, they have a, a different amount and a different kind, and uh, so they do not, uh, from what I read and uh, from studies I've read, it really doesn't bother them. Okay. They just think that's fine. So, uh, it, And squirrels, apparently, and mammals like us, of course, we know how it affects us if we get something that's a little too hot, especially guys like me who grew up where ketchup was an exotic spice. Uh, it, it does, although I like hot stuff, but my wife likes hot stuff that makes you sweat, and I'm not quite to that point. I, I like to feel a little bit of a burn, but I don't want to make it like an exercise program. I do thank you all for listening. I hope you all come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always a Heimlich Maneuver, and gravy is considered a beverage, and now featuring Authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders. Where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet, well, hardly any. I arise each day in the darkest part of the night and walk, hoping that a barefoot wouldn't find where the cat had barfed during the night. (laughs) I walk letters down to the mailbox. The post office, it's become like a lunch lady. It's easy to pick on, but mail is such a bargain. For the low price of a stamp, I can send a letter to an ailing friend far across the country who is battling the same dreaded disease that had afflicted me. Snowbirds are thinking of returning to the frozen country. These folks are brisk averse when it comes to weather. I walked on snowbanks in the yard while moving about and doing the chores. I was doing well until I stopped to examine an animal track. Then I broke through the roof of the snow and dropped past my knees into the white stuff. I'd been like the famed cartoon character Wile E. Coyote. He ran off cliffs and continued to run through the air until he realized what he was doing and looked down. Then he fell. One of the many secrets to life is to keep moving as long as you can, but to keep an eye out for cat barf. <laughs> Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, for all you do. I appreciate you. Thank you, Al. We appreciate you, too, and uh, stay dry. I'll do that. You all right. Too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, our good friend Al Bat from somewhere near Heartland joining us every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, and then we put his interviews that we do on the SoundCloud. So if you maybe came in late during the interview or you maybe want to listen again for something he talked about you can listen go to soundcloud on your computer and then type in kmsu you'll come to our kmsu soundcloud site and there's lots of shows on there including al bath we've got cooking with joe we've got gardening with barb we've got some blues shows and boy lots of other things we do here on the station interviews etc so uh, if you want to go there sometime please do uh, and i've got some nitty-gritty